Welcome to the only podcast on the internet about movies. This is Total Reboot. My name is Cameron James, and the other guy is Alexi Teliopoulos. Cameron James, the Reboot Boys are back at it again, talking about a reboot slash spin-off film. <laughs> That's what we do on this podcast. Reboots, remakes, rip-offs, and hey, a little bit of riffing. We do tend to do a little riffing up the top. Yeah, riffing in the middle and wrap it up on a little funny thing. <laughs> and speaking of riffing, Rafing, Rafe Spall is in the movie we're talking about today, and he's got an interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon we could do about one hour's worth of content on Rafe Spall. Just on the name alone. The name alone, and then probably another four hours on the lineage of the guy. Oh, God. Somehow related to the ugliest man alive. Yeah, Timothy Spall, a.k.a. Peter Pettigrew, Wormtail himself. <laughs> uh, definitely one of the most um, fear- fearsome character actors yeah, there are. absolutely. He, by nature, he's a really tremendous character. Probably one of the great yeah. English actors today. Definitely. But also one of also the Also by most, nature. <laughs> by nature, he's one of the most fuck-ugly blokes on the planet, <laughs> I would say. The guy actually had zero makeup on to play Wormtail in Harry Potter. <laughs> Rafe Spall, however... He actually got told to tone it down while playing Peter Pettigrew. applied foundation on his face. to go like, okay, let's give him a little bit of movie star quality for this. Rafe Spall, by the other hand, very handsome man. Extremely handsome. Definitely one of the most handsome Brits in the world. I mean, what's his competition? Tim Spall? Not that much. <laughs> um, today we are talking about Men in Black International, following on from last week's uh, adventure through the universe uh-huh. of Men in Black, the 1997 original. How are we feeling? It's been a week. Are we still excited about MIB? Are we still pumped up on Will Smith? I've been listening to the song a lot. Have you? Uh, yeah, I actually have. Yeah. I've listened to it maybe three or four times since yeah. we recorded. I think I still am pumped on MIB. Yeah. I think it had been so long since I'd revisited the Protectors of the Galaxy mm. that I uh, have kind of just like, it's been, it's like, especially after everyone's listened to the podcast, we've got a lot of nice messages about that episode. Uh, just people that are, they're back in black, if you will. Like they are, they are in on Men in Black once again. Yeah, and so I was genuinely a little bit excited coming to Men in Black International. Me too. Hey, I don't think we spoke about this last week. Did we talk about the animated series at all? No, but I loved it. Yeah, me too. I How the fuck did we it. not talk about that? That was that show was fucking. It's purpose built to be a cartoon. It was Definitely. awesome. Yeah, and I think this Men in Black could have been a great like. Netflix series, if they yeah. just did a spin-off as a Netflix show or something, like X-Files, but funny. It was cool. Um, we put a little post up in our... Or someone put a post up yep. in our Patreon-exclusive Facebook group, the Cinephile Registry, yep. asking... Uh, what was it about? It was something about the oh, movies. What, what movie yeah. would be a purpose-built cartoon Animated series. series Animated yeah. series. And I was like, that's such a great question. Great question. And... I reckon every single one that I put in, yeah, people were like, "Yeah, that is an animated series." Yeah, they should have done so many more. Like I was like Bill and Ted, that that would be yeah. an amazing animated series. And then someone posted the trailer to the Bill and Ted animated series that lasted oh. like three seasons. I never knew it existed. Neither did I, but uh, unless I did, and I just have blocked it from my brain. Yeah, something traumatic happens during a Bill and Ted <laughs> episode. But that was just a, that was an era in time where mm. a big movie became a cartoon series. Like Jumanji as well. That was oh, another one God, that I loved Jumanji, as a kid. Jumanji, what? Yeah, Jumanji. I think we might have even talked about it during our 
first episode we ever recorded, but really? it was like they go into Jumanji. Oh, okay. Into Jumanji. They get herself. welcomed to the jungle. They absolutely. It is a welcome to the jungle style situation. They meet uh, Alan Parrish in there. But he's hang all on. bearded up. He's so it's two different kids. It's not the kids same from the two movie? kids. I guess they look that makes very no much sense. like them. He came. He got welcomed yeah, to the reality. Um, real yeah. reality. What's the name of that town again? Uh, fuck. Uh, Silver Bay or something. <laughs> it's called Shit. something. I can't believe I forgot God. the name. I know his name's Alan Parrish. Yes, Parrish I'll never shoes. forget Alan Parrish. Parrish shoes. Dag. David Allen Green yeah, is a cop. Dag's there. Yeah. So he in the movie he gets welcomed to reality, but yeah. in the cartoon they get welcomed to the to jungle. Jumanji. Yeah, they get they fully get absorbed by Jumanji herself. My They're God. inside the jungle, and you get to meet like lots of fun little characters in there. They've got like a um uh like it's more supernatural and stuff and it looks it's a very nice looking show is Van Pelt in there Van Pelt is one of the most primary antagonists of the (laughs) series Uh, aside from Jumanji herself Van Pelt is a secondary antagonist (laughs) when I think about the movie Jumanji I think uh, Jumanji is also a character yeah Definitely. Yeah. I would say it's a primary antagonist. <laughs> yeah. But the MYB animated series, like, how did that not go on forever? That was yeah. so much fun. I loved it. It should be going on to this day with a new generation of men yes. in black. MIB International, dare I say it, should have just been another animated show. <sighs> yeah. What were you hoping from Men in Black International? What were your what was your hope before you went into the cinema? Oh man, you know, I got to be honest. I think um, I was never going to like this movie from really from Jump, from Get Out. Well, I wasn't going to like this from Jump Street, Street because it was promised to me many years ago that there might be an MIB Jump Street yeah. crossover film. That was exciting to me. I just think because I knew going in that it was going to be a kind of Fast and the Furious esque like globe trotting romp, and that's mm. not what I want from this. Yeah. Series of mo- of f- movies. I don't want yeah. it to be another Mission Impossible or a Bond f- mm. series. I want it to be a small New York like character based yeah. movie. If the only way I could have really had high hopes is if it was Barry Sonnenfeld returning. Yeah, but with that signature Sonnenfeldian style. I'm actually shocked Barry Sonnenfeld didn't come back because he has said that he didn't want to make another Men in Black film. But he kind of has always had that attitude. But when his career dips, it's where he goes back to. Mm. So I was... I Genuinely, when they announced that this was happening without without uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, I was shocked that was the case. I thought he would be back on. Because you look at his career leading up to Men in Black, it's so building. He becomes like the top cinematographer. He's a top on his field there. Switches to directing. Becomes immediately like a cool director. Adam's Family. Adam's Family values. Get Shorty. Get Shorty gets him this. Mm. And then after that, Wild Wild West. Tanks. Bomb. Does this movie called Big Travel. Tanks. Bombs. Then Men in Black 2. Mm. Then he does RV. Four years later. <laughs> that movie doesn't exist Runaway at all anymore. Runaway Vacation. Runaway Vacation. Robin Williams. Cheryl Hines. Oh, wow. I think Cheryl Hines is the second lead to that film. <laughs> and then... And you know what? The primary antagonist is probably the RV. Yeah, or Jumanji. Don't know yeah. what happened to that movie. They could, yeah. they could find that book. I think they go oh, It's not a book. <laughs> Jumanji's game. I think they get welcomed to Jumanji in... They must, surely. In right away vacation. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, then, six years go by. 
Mm. Doesn't really do it. Like, he's probably working in TV and stuff. Mm. Uh, comes back to the jungle with Men in Black 3. Oh, yeah. And then Finally. he does Nine Lives, starring He Who Shall Not Be Named as a Cat. Oh, no shit. Yes. Really? That was him? That was him, 2016, and then nothing for the but last hey, didn't, three uh, years. But hey, didn't Sonnenfeld make the series of Unfortunate yeah, Events? Yeah, that was a dream. That was his dream project, go back to a series of Unfortunate Events. I didn't watch events. it, but apparently it was very good. Apparently it's quite good. He's a great director. I heard it was very Sonnenfeldian. Uh, yeah, that's actually where the term comes from. Okay. It comes from an interview where he talked about how he got kicked off a series of Unfortunate <laughs> Events, the movie, and he talked mm. about that being Sonnenfeldian. <laughs> yeah, found out. I found out where it's from. Good, good, good. Uh, so it shocked me that he wasn't like going like, I got to come back as like a big box office director mm. with this, but he's kind of just talked about how he still doesn't want to do it. So he is an executive producer on this film. Yeah, but he wouldn't have done anything. It just mm. would have been collecting the check. I think it's his property. pretty clear he didn't do anything on this movie. Yeah. Um, shall we just dive right into it? Let's dive right in. Let's hit hyperdrive. If you haven't seen Men in Black International... Whatever, just keep listening to this Who podcast. Gives a shit? We will spoil stuff for you, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I'm going to spoil every major twist and turn. You're going to find out who the primary antagonist is. Yeah, I'm going to drop it before we dive into it. If you've seen the trailer and you're thinking, wow, they're really laying up this person to be the primary antagonist of this film in a twisty fashion, but then you go, hang on, that they must be laying that must up be to the subvert, my, subvert my expectations for later. No, uh, it's, you're right. Liam Neeson is the bad boy. All right, let's get into the review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, snap. We oh, are a rumour. Recognisable only as Deja Vu. And dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. Welcome to MIB. Move it, I lose it. You will be with Agent H, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's taco day. Men in Black International, directed by F. Gary Gray. Hang on a second. I hardly know Gary Gray. I'm pronouncing the F on this one. (laughs) (laughs) The universe is expanding. Oh, that's a great tagline. Yeah. I have some things to say about that. (laughs) Purposes. The men in black have always protected the earth from the scum of the universe. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest, most global threat to date. A mole in the Men in Black organization. Yeah. So that is the official plot synopsis from Letterboxd.com. Yeah. I didn't dislike this movie immediately watching it. I, For me, it was one of those cases where now that I have this brain that is like attuned to watching reboots, mm-hmm. where I can... Enj- I just... For, I get off on them now where I'm Mm. like this okay what is this doing this is interesting I watch them more analytically than most movies now Mm. because you're trying to find the differences compare and contrast them as you're watching them but so I left fairly positive but in a way where I was like okay there was enough in the story of this film and the plot where I thought they were fine but all I could see and when I say fine I mean like the most you mean like Dictionary. Fran Fine? Yeah, no, not, I like, love that. Oh, Mr. Sheffield, this is a great movie. I, I mean that they were just like, 
average, mm. but there was enough in them where I could see the potential of just how you could spice this up with the ingredients you already have. Yes. By just changing a few things, tying up things thematically a lot more. Because I think all of that stuff is there. And I just feel like if they even did one more draft of this script, you'd see how to connect the themes of Men in Black, which have always been immigration, Mm -hmm. which is they have like touches of that in this. But then it's like you could easily have connected that all together in a final draft of this film. (laughs) Really easily. I want to say something right off the top of my head. I was going to save this for... A little bit deeper into the podcast, Mm. but you've already brought it up. The first Men in Black movie is a migration story, and it is about Ellis Island welcoming people into the country, letting people have safe harbour in the shores of America's bosom. This movie is anti-immigration. Truly it is. This movie... begins with a portal being opened to from one universe to another and ends with that portal being blown up by a nuclear bomb to stop people from entering Earth. It's like this is an anti-immigration movie. It's overtly Brexit, and it happens in Europe. Yeah, that they shut off the border and go no more people coming in. It couldn't be any more clear that this movie is pro. Brexit, yeah. pro wall. But also, do you know what sucks <laughs> is that yes, that is like what what the, like this movie is an anti-integration movie. It is like a Theresa May movie, <laughs> but it's also not about any no, of that because shit I think at all. They would not have thought about that. They, they would just would have not. been like, "Well, we need an ending. Let's let's have them blow up the portal." Yeah, um, that's the end of the movie. They would not have even considered for a second that the message that they're sending in this movie is antithetical to the entire. Men in the black. Ethos, ethos of Men in Black. <laughs> like, and, and, like, if this was about that, yeah. that would be fascinating. If this was about like the Men in Black uh, being used by the government or mm. something like that, or like the High T, which is one of the funniest jokes ever that the <sighs> that his name is T and he becomes the High T uh, because High T is actually some English shit that you've probably heard about. Yeah, you probably had a fucking scone or whatever. Yeah, exactly. A little, bit of carrot cake, a little freaking cream scone, and, and honestly, like, cucumber sambo or whatever. Sandwich. You know, a fucking one of couple most, of teas and maybe delicious sandwiches. The best sandwich in this fucking yeah. business. Actually, if you're going to make me a cucumber sandwich, how about you put the yeah. fucking cucumbers in some fucking vinegar for a minute? Put some pork, put some ham, put some mustard. Yeah, make it and make a cubano. You know okay, I mean? yeah, I'm pro immigration. Okay, yeah. get more Cubans in England. I want more cubanos. Teach them how to freaking eat. Okay, <laughs> that's what eat. this movie should have been a cooking movie <laughs> where it was finally the aliens come to England and teach them how to fucking eat something. Oh okay? my god, get Favreau on board. Get I would watch. Fav- Favreau on board. Okay, yes. That will be something I'll chuck in later. Get Favreau on board of this movie. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's like, it's clueless that that's that this movie is about that. I couldn't believe it. Like, it- I actually was stunned when th- I realised that's what this movie unintentionally was doing. Because it does a fair bit of work to yeah. set up uh, that the Eiffel Tower was built as a gateway yeah. to bring the first alien migrants to Earth or yeah. something, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of into this. This is interesting stuff. And and Eiffel, Mr. Eiffel, the guy who designed the fucking Didn't thing. Didn't know he was a real guy. Neither did I. But he apparently was one of the first MIBs and all this kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, he was I'm a like, genius. I'm into this stuff, okay. And, and then, I like that. It's like, yes, okay, it's old world. We're yeah. in Europe. This is cool. But then... Weirdly, I started noticing that all the aliens in this movie are like vile. They're, <laughs> They're all... all ugly and like 
overly sexual. But also, they're all gangsters. Yeah, and gangsters, and they're like running. They're all running shit through Earth, like running alcohol and yeah. drugs through Earth. They're all fucking grotesque. There's yeah. no real lovable aliens in this movie. And then, yeah, by the end, when the thing gets blown up, you're kind of like, yes, thank God, no more grotesque aliens yeah. coming into my planet. <sighs> it was such a bizarre thing that I started feeling like this anti-alien sentiment throughout the movie. And then I realized I'd just been indoctrinated. Yeah. By, by conservative by, media. By conservative media. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, and it's just like, I can't get over that because it didn't strike me straight away that this was an anti-immigration movie. As soon as you said it, I'm like, yes, it's all unlocked. That's what it is. <laughs> but it, it's like unknowingly so. Mm. Like, it's just kind of like, cool, yeah. let's turn this into a blockbuster. What do blockbusters deal with? I don't know, 9-11, that type of shit, yeah. like anti-migration, and it just like becomes that in way of it becoming like an unauthored blockbuster by it just being like Ugh. very a generic film. Whereas Men in Black, it's a genre film, it's a genre hybrid film. I'd say this is just very clearly and very cleanly a modern blockbuster. It is genre less. Yes, it's one of those things that just exists to have set piece after set piece with no. Style. Yeah. yeah I, guess, I guess we're going to have to talk about the um, F. Gary Gray of it. Yeah. Um, well, the lack of Sonnenfeld, really. Yeah. Like, it, it's, he, that's he's so a, true. He's a director with a voice um, that I never appreciated, I've got to be honest. Yeah. Barry, for listening. Thank I've, you. Uh, thank you, first of all, for the download. Yeah. We are a Sonnenfeldian, a pro Sonnenfeldian yes. podcast. And you know what? We started. You know, when we started this podcast, we were making fun of you, I'll be honest. Just because you said that's on a failure thing, that's why we make fun of you. That's why we made fun of you. Because genuinely, it is funny. If you said in jest, you're one of the funniest cunts on the planet. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and we've, but we've always been fans. You know what? I have a feeling he might have said it in jest. After reading a few more interviews with the guy. He's funny? He's funny. Okay. Sonnenfeld. He made a joke. I read this. Uh, I posted this thing in the um, Facebook yep. group. Uh, an interview with him and D'Onofrio talking about... D'Onofrio's performance in MIB. And um, D'Onofrio had just come off um, Full Metal Jacket when he got hired for this. And I think Sonnenfeld was like, uh, yep, me and Kubrick are two equally talented directors and we know exactly how to wrangle Vincent D'Onofrio. And then he was kind of like, I'm kidding, of course, obviously. Uh, (laughs) I bow at the feet of Kubrick. But I went, okay, this guy's funny. He can riff. I'm actually pro Sonnenfeld. Yeah, I'm, I've always been pro Sonnenfeld. Just love to make fun of the guy. But hey, you roast the ones you love. That's what we say on this podcast. <laughs> Something that I invented and I will yeah. continue to say. You are the roast master general. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I never really appreciated his voice yeah. until, you know, very recently. And I've got to say this movie where there is a lack of Sonnenfeldian voice, there is now a void that has been filled yes. by no voice. Nothing creeps up. Uh, I was shocked to see at the start of this film, the first thing you see is it's the traditional men in black titles yeah. of that kind of... It's probably hand-drawn by Sonnenfeld or something. It looks like the Adams Family sort of Yeah, the Adams Family. Yeah. It's like spindly, kind of mm. like skeletal, mm. um, but very much feels like in those original films it sets you up for the kind of Roger Corman B yeah. movie 1960s-ness of these films uh-huh. that kind of cheesiness corniness but that this is camp and this is going to be fun uh, but it's also going to be very stylized and I was shocked to see that in this I thought it would be um, in my mind they were going to go to the Men in Black like t- poster yeah. images of those very thick 
uh, metallic black, uh, or, met- or metallic silver mm. uh, block Big, letters. chunky block letters. I yeah. thought that's what it was going to be because I was like, this is going to be a blockbuster. And when it didn't have that, I was like, okay, you have my interest. I'm interested <laughs> in what's going to happen now from the first second. And then nothing else lives up to that. And it is that void that you're talking mm. about because those Men in Black films, they are truly auteured films. They're mm. the Sonnenfeld films. And I think, for me, that is the problem with this film on a really deep level is that there are so many directors that I would have chosen to tell this story over F. Gary Gray. Mm-hmm. I think F. Gary Gray is uh, maybe someone like John Favreau who is maybe one of the great workman directors working today yeah. where he uh, has no strong visual voice. You could plug F. Gary Gray into anything. Into anything and you would get a fine movie out mm-hmm. of it. And I think this movie is fine. It's a fine movie and when I'm saying fine, I'm not doing like my little chef kiss you, hand or anything. And you're not doing, oh, Mr. Sheffield for I'm not fine. doing a Miss Fine impression or any kind. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a, it's a movie that if you're watching it on a plane, you're going to pass the time in a way that was not uh, oppressive. Sure. Even though this movie is about, uh, it's an oppressive movie about anti-immigration. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I think F. Gary Gray is a director that's desirable for blockbuster studios to just go, yeah, let's get F. Gary. He's all, like he's going to make us a good movie that people will see, people most likely will like. Um, and- but, but man, he's got no style. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think back on all the films of his that I've seen, and even I've kind of sung his praises. I, I really liked... I really liked Straight Outta Compton. Yep. Really liked uh, Fate of the Furious at the time, but I think it all has come back to the fact that I just loved the movie Friday so much yep. when I was a teenager. And when I think back on it, that's the only one of his movies that feels like it has mm. a directorial voice. Yeah, it's so fucking low to the ground. And yeah, it's like odd looking. It has weird angles, and it's clearly like a filmmaker figuring out how to make movies. Because I think it was his first film, and he'd come off um, music videos, music videos for Ice Cube. But um, as he's grown as a director, and as his budget has grown, I feel like I've lost any sense of what he finds interesting mm. about cinema. Or what he finds interesting about characters. Yeah. Nothing in this movie screams like, oh, that was that was the work of F. Gary Gray. Yeah. That was the touch that he brings. There's yeah. no the comedy could have been could have come from anywhere. The action could have come from anywhere. I don't know who I would get to make one of these movies. The only time in the last few years that I've seen a a, a big directorial voice in a big blockbuster movie has been Taika Waititi's um, Thor Ragnarok. Mm. And I guess Favreau brings something. I don't know. I mean, he's like a workman director, like you said, but he brings... He knows comedy. Yeah. He comes from comedy. I think he loves actors. He's someone that is great at working with actors. That's a great point. I don't know if F. Gary Gray... I don't even know if he loves actors. He doesn't really let them shine. He doesn't shoot them in a way that makes me think, oh, this guy's obsessed with Hemsworth. God, he loves to watch Hemsworth riff. Yeah, I think, like, you're right. Straight Outta Compton is maybe the last time we saw something like that from F. Gary, but that was not that that long ago. And that was a collaboration with Ice Cube again. Like, that's something that he brings to the table is like he was working with an old friend. And I think that was a story that he was excited to tell because he's telling, like, the story of the... He's collaborated, the story of the generation that he kind of... He was coming up with. 
with at the same time. Mm. And if there was a lot of talk at the time of, uh, you know, hashtag Oscar so white mm. that uh, F. Gary Gray didn't get an Oscar nomination for that film. And that is, I think... I think if you look at Oscars, yeah, he should have because music biopics and stuff always get big Oscar nominations. It's true. But it's just like there's so many too many old cunts in the Oscars that are just like, yeah, this is not a music biopic. They're not seeing it in that way. Yeah. Whereas for people like us, like, yeah, that is a prestige drama that I've always wanted to see, where mm. it's like the music that I listened to growing up yeah. being made into the kind of like I don't know like a walk the line a walk like, the line type yeah. movie or even like uh, <laughs> you, like Coal Miner's Daughter yeah. where it's like this now an iconic movie yeah um, but uh, for me there are a hundred people that could have directed this film mm. and I think it's that they ca- they got a director who has not a strong voice and not the voice to tell this story um, because there are so many people that are of that Sonnefeldian ilk in. England or European mm. filmmakers that are like on the cusp of making uh, a big budget blockbuster film. Immediately, the first person I thought of was uh, Joe Cornish, who did Attack the Block mm, like about yeah. like six, seven years ago now, yeah. which is an English low budget practical effects heavy science fiction comedy genre hybrid yeah. and oh that's all I could think of like yeah Joe Cornish would have been fabulous on this film then you start going like oh yeah they they could have just like offered him like a million two million seven million dollars to just go yeah make this hmm. he only has made one film since Attack the Block which was The Kid Who Would Be King which is a fantasy film that he wrote a modern day fantasy film that he wrote like a couple of years ago that was only released last year um, which is quite good, but you know, if this this is the kind of project where you're like, you look for those new voices coming out that just fit this mold. Well, clearly not. That's the world we're living in. Is yeah. that there's there's no risk taking anymore. I believe that getting Barry Sonnenfeld on Men in Black was a risk. Mm-hmm. Him hiring Vincent D'Onofrio was a huge risk. Yep. Having Will Smith, who was a new movie star, mm. was a huge risk. This movie takes none. Yeah, it takes two of the characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, basically playing the characters they played in Ragnarok. We'll go, yeah, we'll get those two. People liked seeing them together. That was a huge hit. We'll put them in another movie. We'll get the guy who did Fate of the Furious, which was the first... um, Second after Justin Lin left. Because they did... James Wan did seven. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. But still, it was a huge hit. It would have been more exciting to me than F. Gary Gray. Oh, of course. Because he's a great action director. Great action director. And also, like... No risks were taken. Yeah, and he's done Star Trek, so I'm like, okay, he's fun playing with aliens. Yeah. No, like and that's zero... all I want. Someone who's fun playing with aliens. Do you know the biggest risk in this movie? I think was casting those two fucking dancers yeah. to be the villain, but that was a bad thing. <laughs> exactly, which is insane. This movie, the I, like, we have barely talked about the plot of this film. Uh, I guess we got to dig into truly, it. Truly, it is not Men in Black. No, uh, because literally, in some scenes, in big chunks of the movie. Chris Hemsworth is just wearing an open linen shirt yeah. and pink pants, pink pants, and, pants stuff. and like boat shoes. Yeah. He's, it's literally not Men in Black. Yeah. And that is the big problem I had. This is the linen shirt um, problem yeah, that I, I wa- had with this movie. I want to get the sad clip of you talking about Men in Black International. It's like, literally, it's not Men in Black. It's not Men in Black. They're supposed There's to a woman in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> in the fucking Men in Black movie, they say this is the last suit yeah. you'll ever wear. Everyone wears yeah. this suit. 
Yet there's entire scenes in this movie where Chris Hemsworth is just like partying with his shirt yeah, off. Yeah, he's got like, like a tweed jacket yeah. and stuff. <laughs> well, you know? I'm like, what the fuck? It's just like a catalogue for a fucking menswear. Yeah. Uh, I, it's th- Abercrombie and Finch in black. <laughs> it's like none of it makes sense. Okay, yeah. let's uh, talk about the movie. It's uh, not a Men in Black movie. Not a Men in Black movie because... The three Men in Black films that we've had before this, mm. their strongest identifier, I would say, apart from like all the great stuff that we've talked about, is they have three great, interesting villains or interesting actors playing a uh, weird, interesting I'm villain. I'm so glad you're about to say Like this. Vincent D'Onofrio, yes. that first film, one of the best blockbuster performances ever because it is... All tremendous risk, hideous, mm-hmm. funny, uh, just this huge bold step. Men in Black 2, you've got uh, Lara Flynn Boyle, who's like a plant that yeah. becomes like a sexy lingerie model, Lara Flynn Boyle. Oh. And it's, I like Lara Flynn Boyle a and lot. she's great. And I like Twin her Pigs, in that movie. Come on, she's incredible. Love and, her. And of course, you've got her sidekick, the prankster king. Yeah, the dark prince of comedy, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, God. In fact, two Johnny Knoxvilles, yeah. which is a dream come true. Yeah. Uh, but Lara Flynn Boyle is, I think, really good in those films because it's just like getting her to see play this like big villain is funny. Yeah. Like, then Men in Black Three, Jermaine Clement. That's another mm. risk to just go. Yeah, let's get this like funny mm. New Zealand comedian to mm. be the this bizarre criminal in this film who's like this like time traveling terrorist. Yeah. And I think that's like a, such a bold step. The villain of this movie non-existent. Who knows? Who knows? Non-existent. They no face, about- no identity. Like there's, they're talked about as the hive, right? Yeah. And the hive are described to us as a race of aliens that can, uh, that absorb people's DNA and absorb yeah. their culture. Oh, oh God, this is fucking. Oh. It's becoming even more blatant now. What this movie Jesus, is about, dude. and they take over worlds from the inside just by infiltrating. Hang on a it. second. This movie was written by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Co-written by John Howard and Rupert Murdoch? What the heck? Uh, yeah, we never see The Hive. Yeah. The closest we get to seeing The Hive is in the final, like, f- five minutes of yeah. the movie where you see, like, a big CGI creation. It's like a that glob of some c- kind. Could you describe it? If, no. I, if I were to ask you to describe Honestly, what The Hive Honestly, Cameron, like? I feel like I've been neuralized in the last two days. Yeah. I remember so little about this movie. There is no personality for the villain. And, yeah. and yet, in Men in Black 1997, the fucking villain is, like... The primary antagonist of that movie is the one of the funniest parts of yeah. it. Like it has so much personality. And then this, what we're kind of like treated with is it's two of Beyonce's backup dancers, these twins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who move cool? Yeah, they look. Yeah, cool Yeah, they're, they're great dancers. They around. even get a dance scene. They in get this a little movie. dancing, and it's not funny. And it's <laughs> like, not funny. And it's, and it's like, dancing. why did this happen? What is going on here? But it's just like these. They're kind of like these shapeless, moving twins. That want to assassinate uh, this guy who's like a like royalty of an alien race of some kind, mm. but in the film he's like this kind of funny uh, uh, gangster, second, first generation in, uh, alien migrant in there who's wearing like this hoodie and like he's like this inter- Mister International uh, kind of thing. Mm. And I, I like that character because I'm like, okay, this is the closest thing we've got to a Men in Black thing where it's like we're talking about new migrants in England. And yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I was like, okay, maybe this is on the right track. Yeah. Maybe it's like got a different bent, but we're seeing like this English version, this European version um, of what this world could be. And it 
then he immediately is assassinated by them in the first scene that he's in, really. Yeah. And then they're just like these... They have to go to, like, Morocco and Marrakesh. But for this movie that is supposed to be, like, so globetrotting, it feels so much like it's filmed nowhere. Mm. Like... I think Morocco Marrakesh is like just as bland as Agrabah was in the oh, Aladdin. Oh man, remake. I was thinking that as I was watching on you know, this reeks of backlot. Yeah. There's no way they travel to these places. Yeah. It looks like uh it looks like Disneyland's like Agrabah mm. setting that they're probably building right now. Like it's it doesn't feel real. There's no sense of geography. Mm. They go to the desert. Yeah, fuck. That could have been that was clearly green screen. Like yeah. none of it is None of it feels like it's rooted in a place mm. at all to the point where it made me resent that this is the place that we're at movie-wise yeah. where every blockbuster has to be a globe-trotting theme because they're trying to sell it literally yeah. internationally. Exactly. And that that pissed me off so much that we're now stuck in this fucking dark timeline where anytime I go see a movie, it's going to be there's going to be subtitles coming up going Marrakesh, Morocco, Paris. Like, I don't need to see the world. How about you just make it feel like Paris? Or how about you just make it feel like Morocco and England so you don't need to go, yes, we're here now. You've got to see this now. Just make it feel like we're there. Because even England just feels like the same block of, like, London that you see every single time, Yeah, you know? It's like, what's the tagline of this movie again that you read off uh, Letterboxd? The universe is expanding. Yeah, the universe is expanding. This movie proves to me that that is a bad thing. Mm. Sometimes an expanded universe is exciting when you get to see more of the world and a little bit more details open up and little secrets and stuff. This movie proves to me that that's not always good. I mean, the first one, the original one, is literally about like um, worlds existing in the fringes of our own yeah. world, like be- behind the scenes, in the pawn shop, that... The fucking movie is about a universe inside a marble. Yeah. And this movie just takes that idea of, like, big things being small and yeah. fucking turns it upside down and goes, yeah, the MIB also have fucking nightclubs and they also fuck aliens. Yeah. And they're, like, superstars. They're all, like, fucking James Bond. And like, yeah. I don't need to see that movie. I want to see what I already have seen, which is just these fucking guys in suits who have to deal with mm. the boring admin of... Like, looking after aliens on Earth. <laughs> but if it had been playing with that James Bond idea, that Tinker Tailor Soldier spy idea, which I feel like in the script, maybe it does, mm. but it doesn't translate to the screen. Like, it just... If it was like, oh, yeah, we're playing this, like, James Bond thing up. Because I think Chris Hemsworth, I like him, but in this film, he's nothing to me. Well, you know what I think? They, they wrote the character to be Pete Quill, essentially. Yeah. Like, the character is... Chris Pratt yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's like a rogue. He literally, in his second scene, I think, has sex with an alien. And it's actually a, a moment I really like because it felt MIB where her arm is yeah. like draped across his bare chest. But and it's then a tentacle. It's tentacle and it's got suction cups when he tries to get up. And But I don't need to see that. I don't uh, think that should be happening in this world. I, I was into that. I was like... That's because you've always wanted to fuck an alien. I definitely... One of my dreams, I adore Twi'leks from Star Wars. So those head tails drive mm. me wild. <laughs> um, but uh, they... Like, I thought, if this is going in that direction, if it's about that, all I could think of was, once again, the potential. Where this is in the script, what can you do to highlight the comedy of this moment? Because Men in Black are 
comedy films. Mm-hmm. It, like they have big stories. They they have like serious themes to them, but they're all in this kind of lightly comedic world where everything's just like a little askew, a little bit funny, mm-hmm. played for comedic effect. If they had made this character as written on this script, this international Lothario or like intergalactic mm-hmm. Lothario of uh, like this this James Bond s character, what can you do to make that funny? You, you casting the hottest guy in the real galaxy, that's not funny. Yeah. If you cast someone who's not traditionally yeah. uh, the biggest hunk in our existence right now, that could be funny. If you've got like Nick Frost as this character yeah, yeah, yeah. who is like everyone in the world is like he's the best agent. <laughs> he's so sexy. Like if aliens find this guy sexy, but then we're just like, no, this is the fat guy from Shaun of the Let Dead. Me fucking say something right now. I am sick to death of Chris Hemsworth being called funny. Yeah. He's not. He can be funny. Yeah. He's charming. But every single joke I've ever seen made about him on movies, mm-hmm. on fucking SNL, is just that he's hot. Yeah. How many fucking movies am I going to sit through where the big joke is that he's hot? It's like, yeah, he is hot. Yes, That's I not know. Funny. I yeah. fucking can see him. <laughs> I can see that he's hot. That's not funny. Yes. But if the joke is that Julian Barrett is hot, yes. if Noel Fielding is hot, yes. or if even like someone who's actually kind of hot, like Rob Sheehan and John Gilgan, who on Misfits the TV show <laughs> yeah. if you're like putting one of those guys who like kind of gangly but are funny dudes yeah. and in the lead of playing like this international intergalactic sexy spy who is the top of their class that's funny yes. because this, this movie is so much about like how he's actually not the best like he's kind of bumbling that, that, and then- that was so lost on me man the tone of this yes. movie it's like okay the, the, this guy they're kind of playing him a little bit like uh like, he's this cocky... He's fucking Peter Quill. Yeah. Like, he's Star-Lord. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm fucking great. Every chick wants to root me, right? Yeah. That's funny. You know, even Chris Pratt would have been a better casting choice, to be honest. But can um, he even do English? Oh, who knows? He gives a shit. But, like, yeah, the... the but then, like, we are told constantly that he is the best, but then we're getting these little indications that, oh, no, he's actually a little bit of a bumbling fool. Yeah. But none of that comes across because every time we see him... On screen, he's doing incredible action, yeah. incredible stunts. He's beautiful. He's really good looking. And there's only like one or two times where he fumbles something, really. And I, like, I think they could have lent into more that he's like too obsessed with being a fucking pretty boy. Yeah. That he's bad at his job. But he's not. He's actually, yeah, he's hot and he's also really good at his job. He the, saves the world all the time. The tw- but does he? Like, that's the I twist don't know. of this film is. I think that's why it's a miscasting. Because the twist of this film is that he actually hasn't saved the world. Yeah. And that he's been set up by a mole in the MIB and he's been neuralized and he doesn't remember that he actually hasn't saved the world. Uh, he was just told that he has. And then everyone has celebrated him as such. Uh, but he actually might not be the best at his job because he like fornicates with the aliens. He uh, he like he is like... He drinks and he, stuff. He's like, he's uh, like has an ex-governor who's like the head of the intergalactic crime syndicate. Yeah. And like, he's like a kind of like a gray agent and or something but it doesn't work because they've got James Bond as it but you know like I think that in the script maybe that's what it's meant to be is like he was the scapegoat because he's like this kind of dumb handsome guy that could have do you think this would have been better if it was a fucking uh, Edgar Wright movie with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost (laughs) absolutely this would have been better like because that's what this movie needs is it just needs like F.K. Grey is fine but he's not 
after Friday, his movies aren't really funny. No. Even his other Sonnenfeld film, Be Cool, which is a sequel uh, yeah. to Get Shorty, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, which when I realized that he's done two Barry Sonnenfeld like <laughs> sequels, sequels yeah. he, I was like, how... Whose idea? What like, world are we why, living in? <laughs> how has this guy been like the heir to the Sonnenfeld throne? Like, what is it? Like, I don't understand it. Like, I'd be cool. I actually don't mind, but I've only seen it once, like 15 years ago when it came that out. That movie is responsible for The Rock, by the way. It is. That movie is responsible for Dwayne The Rock Johnson being a fucking movie star. Yeah. So thanks a lot. Thanks, F. Thanks, um, F. But, <laughs> like,. It doesn't. It doesn't add up to me. Like just like how that they didn't have so much comedy built into it. Like Kumail Nanjiani playing this like tiny chess piece yeah. of an alien who's called Pawny because he's a pawn on this like I guess an alien race that follow chess rules or something. Yeah, like that. who knows? Couldn't like and fine, fine. He's very funny in it. Everything he said made me laugh. Yeah. But I guess that's, I like him. I like yeah, the, it's just because I knew it was Kumail. And the pattern of his voice is always going to be funny to me yeah. because he's a comedian that and, uh, I, you know, I worship the guy. <laughs> and yeah, look, look, Hemsworth's fine. He's incredibly charming and I do love watching him, but I just, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of his comic persona, mm. I guess. Tessa Thompson, we should talk about her. Um I think she's a good she's lead. She's always for this. good. She's yeah. a good lead. The one thing that she lacked or that the movie lacked, and it was probably a, b- a better character choice mm. in the end to not have her exactly be fucking Agent J yeah. from. Like, her character is written as someone who s- witnessed an alien yeah. and the Men in Black when she was a little kid. Her parents got neuralized, but she looked away essentially yeah. and so has always retained the memory, but her family have not. So she's grown up feeling crazy, but she's also grown up being a fan of the Men in Black and wanting to join them. It's her life wanting ambition. to join them. So that's kind of interesting for a reboot to go. This is about someone who saw the Men in Black as mm. a kid and has wanted to be one yeah. ever since, like fucking you and me probably. Yeah, and then like that's cool. That's an interesting way in. But then when she finally does get into the Men in Black and there's the whole training and indoctrination montage mm. instead of. Like with Will Smith, we are him. We are the audience yeah. being like blown away by this new world. Tessa Thompson doesn't fucking bat an eyelid once. She's just like, everything's cool to her. Things yeah. are rolling off her. She knows how to shoot the guns immediately. She's quipping like right out of the gate. She's yeah. like, I make this look good like straight away. Yeah. Um, but if it was... Aliens don't shock her. She's she's yeah. seeing aliens for, you know, I guess the first time since she was six years old. Yeah. And she's just like sick. Yeah, I know how to talk to these aliens. Like I'm confident with them. I'm not yeah. scared. And that's... It's boring because we need to feel the stakes. We need to feel how yeah. she feels. Like if they set her up to be like this Hermione Granger nerd who is good at all these things oh, straight yes. away because that's she's trained really hard herself to be it. Yes. And I think that is good. But like you said, if even then she is challenged by it, yep. it adds like it goes that this movie is like, oh, she works really hard. She's really smart. She studied all this on her own. But this world is still new to her. Because it's, and it's fucking overwhelming. Ex- and it should be that overwhelming sense. Yeah, she's holding a star at one point. She holds yeah. a compressed star, which is like, can destroy a universe. Mm. And there's not even a glimmer of fear in her eyes. She's just like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I think we need to feel the stakes of this weapon. Yeah. Like, this, the whole movie is hinging on this weapon and how it could destroy a, an entire universe. Yeah. I need to feel that rather than like, oh, look, that is cool. That does look cool. Yeah. 
None of it was rung true to me emotionally. I felt no stakes in this movie. Mm. I didn't give a fuck who lived or died. I think that... I was actually at one point thinking, I bet they kill off Chris Hemsworth in this movie. That's yeah. the only way this can end and I'll feel anything. I thought you were going to say... And I, at one point I was thinking, I hope they kill me during this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's like the big problem for this is that it feels like not a final draft of a film because you can build in those stakes so easily. It's all there. Like if you just go... Oh yes, the um, the fucking Eiffel Tower was built to uh, as a gateway for aliens to come in. What if we go? The hive has been there forever on mm. the outskirts of our galaxy, mm. and aliens have been escaping them for like a millennia. Yeah. And then they came to Earth finally, like as asylum seekers, running from this like te- this terrifying thing. And then they, uh, and finally now the hive is on its way to Earth, mm. and that is when like this becomes like this conservative government type thing that once was like ex- very accepting. Now they have to close off Now they have to close off And it's the the first time That's ever happened And there's There's fighting Inside the MIB No we are a safe haven Yes Our borders are always open No we need to close borders And it's like Actually mirroring Real world Yes Situations And that stuff Which is exciting And really interesting And And fucking edgy Science fiction Yes science fiction That's what it is It's It's taking it's taking the world, turning it into scientific fiction, mm. and then it's and which is what science is fiction that what is that short stands for. for. A lot of people think it's long for sci-fi, yeah, science fiction, but yeah, it's short yeah. for scientific fiction. Oh. Fictional works. Oh my <laughs> good grief! Uh, but it's like does it? I like it's all there, and then it's like okay, yeah, now, uh, now what? We've got this whole mole situation, and then just like okay, yeah, it's clear that the guy that is. Uh, Liam Neeson is playing it bad the whole movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. So I've seen Batman Begins. I know. Yes, Raz al Ghul. Yes, Raz al Ghuling it up again. Raz al Ghulia. (laughs) One of my favorite Italian American actors, by the way. (laughs) Absolutely love him as a small character of Goodfellas. (laughs) He is great as one of the three leads of a Bronx Tale. <laughs> Liam Neeson is, of course, uh, actually an alien who's been taken over by the hive or something. I mean, I guess that's something. how they work. We don't really understand no, it. It's no. like they take over your body, but you're still in there. You know, whatever. Who gives a shit? Anyway, they have to blow him up and then, of course, blow up the portal to stop the rest of the hive coming through. Is yeah. that what it is? I think so. I mean, I started losing. Interest and also I just was losing the plot. I'm like, so the why, why are the rest of the hive not here yet? Mm. Why does why does he need to open the portal again yeah. to let them in? Why couldn't they all have just got in? Or why yeah. couldn't he have opened the portal any other time? Yeah. What did he need to open the portal? Was there a special thing know. that he needed? Was it that gun? I don't think they so. Need- I think that the had gun nothing was to do separate with it. to kill them. Yeah, the gun was to kill. None of it plot wise added up. Yeah. And it, but it's there. The pieces are there. They just have to pull them together with a theme, and they chose not to. They had a, the theme was anti-immigration, but they didn't realize. I know. And if then they, they realized, got towards the end yeah. of production, went, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, we actually made a movie about anti-immigration <laughs> in a franchise that celebrates migrants, <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, they forgot they didn't realize and it's like but if they had realized and made like this you know a brexit movie Mm. about men in black awesome 
if it's a Brexit movie made by uh, someone like Joe Cornish or the guy that did Mighty Bush and Paddington or something, mm. who probably is someone that's not pro-Brexit, interesting. Mm. I'm interested in that. And especially those are the people that you can be getting. There's probably a fucking f- new French Michelle Gondry out there as well that you could have got to yeah. you know, muck around in this. But this is a film that also has no design. Like, there's no. there's nothing exciting or new about the design. It's just the same kind of men in black future, 90s future stuff, but then in like this um, kind of modern day blockbuster chrome boringness. But if this had been like... The aliens were not designed by Rick Baker. They're just mm. kind of like these CGI, I guess, photorealistic-ish, yeah. like aliens. But there's nothing exciting about the design. Like the original they look ones, like fucking, they were done by Imagination Entertainment. Yeah, Illumination. Oh, illumination. They look like Minions friends. They look and like stuff. Minions. They all had like big cartoony eyes yeah. that were like wet and excitable yeah. and. It was ugly, like it was ugly, but not in a fun way. At least yeah. in MIB, they're like big, sludgy, grotesque things dripping in goop. But you're like, oh my god, I can feel it. That's so yeah. real. These were just like they look like the fucking Grinch, yeah, and his dog and minions. And uh, <laughs> you know what pissed me off about the style is that they took a lot of cues from the original uh, trilogy, like the fucking. Uh, the tunnel, yeah. the tunnel office building, that's yeah. there. And there's elements of the original MIB like, it's office. It's like London Underground. But I was like, But then why? the London one, it's like, um, it's kind of in that MIB style. Yeah. But then they've just, they've just added like wood paneling and leather chairs yeah. and like Tudor style paintings all yeah. over the place. And it's like it's the most unimaginative way of going... This is London, by the way. Yeah. It's MIB, but it's in England. Like, I don't give a fuck about seeing Tudor paintings on a sci-fi looking wall. But if they, like, fully went, like, yeah, this is MIB, but it's actually MI6. And they make, like, that kind of, like, the sleek corporatization that, um, like, that we see in, like, these English spy, Mm. government, secret agency type films... That'd be kind of like a choice. I got to be honest. I think it's it's already been done in Kingsman. Like yeah, I think every option exactly. they had were like, oh, okay, well, Kingsman has done that. Done it. Yeah. Um, oh, it was so fucking boring. I hate. I like going to England. I like the country of England, mm. but I'm sick of looking at uh, England in action movies. Yeah. It's never. It's never fun. I don't care. Oh, actually, nothing looked fun in this fucking movie. I was yeah. bored. By every location. But, and every location is boring. Every alien design is not exciting. Because, like, Men in Black as well did something quite interesting that we sl- we touched on last week, where there's a lot of aliens that look like actual humans, mm. and they have, like, enhanced features like they... Like, if you saw them on the street, you would clock them for a second you'd and go, you'd just go like... Fuck, that oh, is an ugly person. God, that guy's got a fatty ear or something like that, <laughs> where it's like, how can someone have fat ears? Where it's like you... you you don't give them a second look, but then if you did, you're like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. That guy's not from Earth. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. It's like mm-hmm. these, the it makes that real. It makes it like you go, oh yeah, these could be guys, there could be guys walking around the street that have like, you know, boils for eyes or something <laughs> that I just like think is ugly, but it's just like a guy that's a migrant from an entire another galaxy or something. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fun to play with that idea because it sets you, it sets that up that it's a little bit more of a real world. Mm. But then this one, there's nothing. Oh, the pug's in this movie. I forgot yeah, about it Yeah, the pug has one line. So is he, he's <sighs> an MIB agent in this. I is guess. He? I don't know. Who gives a shit? 
And then the roaches are in it that are, that's got nothing to do with that. Yeah. I kind of thought the way this movie was going to end was it's revealed that Liam Neeson is the bad guy. So there's no high T who's a head of MIB mm. International in London or whatever. Mm. And I thought it was going to be like, okay, now Emma Thompson's like, we need to replace, we need to replace him. And then she goes, and I've chosen a replacement. It's me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so now she's going to be MIB London. It's like, but Tessa Thompson, you have to go back to uh, New York City and there's a new uh, boss waiting for you. And then it turns around. It's like, you know what the difference between me and your old <laughs> boss is? I'll make this look good. And it was going to be Will Smith. But um, then it's nothing. But I'm also so glad that Will Smith said no to... Yeah, good Because they definitely offered a cameo. You would. The closest we get is that painting of him and Tommy Lee Jones. It's like when they save the world they from that roach. The it's like, did that? Was that actually the danger? Was the roach was going to kill everyone? <laughs> it was, was like, going to blow. The, it was like, such a clear compromise where they definitely put the offer out there. Do you yeah. guys want to be in this movie even for a second? Like, she would have been walking through the New York office and she bumps into him and he goes, "Hey, good luck" or something like yeah. that. Like it would have been a tiny little thing. I'm so glad. They or there's said like no. a there's a statue of him saying, "Well, he died." He yeah, died as an old man though, he went into the future and died. Or <laughs> oh god, I'm so glad that none of that happened. It was just whatever. It was such a such a nothing movie. Mm. I'm so disappointed. It's in it. The like at the end of the movie, there should have been like a post credit sequence where the you get neuralized and you forget the movie because <laughs> I I really did. I walked out positive, and then this discussion has made me more negative because it's just I get. At the time, I was like, yeah, this is all good stuff, but you could have made this better with these. And I, I that that was fine to me. But now just talking about this more, I'm just like going, why didn't you? Mm. Why didn't you make it better instead of just seeing it could have been better? Yeah. I can see it. If I'd read the script, I would have been able to see how to make this better. And that shouldn't be the case. I'm a fucking 27-year-old dude that went to film school. It shouldn't be up to me to just go like, you, how did you guys miss this shit? How did you not see that you can connect this thematically to what this franchise is about? I think the hottest take we've had this part is that this movie is um, anti-immigration and they didn't realise it. And they didn't realise it. Until the very end. I reckon if anyone out there is writing, writes for uh, you know any film journals, yeah. any blogs... Please write up an article about how MIB International is an unintentionally anti-immigration yeah. movie. Credit us. Credit us. We don't want to write the. I don't want to. I don't want to fucking write. We're a thing. little busy to write this article. <laughs> I but don't want to write it, but that needs to be out there. Someone needs to put it out there. And Cameron, you did. You did put it out there in the world because I haven't seen that anywhere else. I reckon we. I reckon we invented that. Take. No, it's you. I, I will say that I helped you afterwards, but you said it out loud. Well, thank you so much. Please credit Total Reboot. Yeah. This is an anti-immigration movie and the and world needs to know. We are a pro-migration podcast. Yes. The, our boundaries are open. Anyone from any other podcast can come into this podcast. Exactly. You're allowed on it. Any any podcast will get you a guest spot on here. Yeah. Just prove that you have the podcast. Prove that you have it. Give us a listenership number. <laughs> 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 uh, well, this was it was fun talking about this movie. Yeah, though. I was nervous, man. I um, I I, I didn't feel like I was going to have anything to say. We had heaps to say. Turned out, I know, I know. I'm amazed. We I, barely riffed. We barely riffed. I mean, and that's we what we're known for. Top. We're big riff heads over here. We're riff spall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you did it. <laughs> Finally, one riff to close yeah, the pod. That's my scream of the. A uh, lady from Hook that sees the family arrive for the first time in London. 
<laughs> and you just can't believe it's them. Oh God! Isn't that Brenda? Brenda? Um, I don't know. Maybe it is Brenda Blethen or someone. Brent, or... It's the chick from um, from Married an Axe Murderer, isn't it? Nah, it oh, might be. God, I don't also, know. Also, no one's ever called her a chick before. <laughs> 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 I've got the worst memory at the moment. Last night I was talking about uh, Game of Thrones and mm. I forgot what it was called. And I was like, what's that big thing everyone likes? <laughs> you know. You know, it's a big thing. thing and it's got, yeah. the, it's got um, White Walker. And oh, like, what? Game Texas of Thrones. Walker like, Ranger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. What's going on with my head? Yeah. So, yeah, um, we've talked about MIB International. We've decided it's racist. Yeah. Go check it out if you're also racist. You might love this. You movie. might love it. If we have any racist fans, <laughs> which I don't, I feel like we don't, uh, you will love this movie. Yeah. If you love you. Trump, this movie rules. Yeah, this movie fucking rules, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Theresa May, Trump, Brexit. This is for you, Dude, baby. Boris Johnson gave this movie seven stars. Yeah. He, he loved it. So did Nigel Farage. He was obsessed with it, actually. <laughs> Nigel Farage has been tweeting that, like, the critics are taking this down like Gotti, my other favorite movie. <laughs> uh, well, that was Men in Black International. Next week on the podcast, we're kicking off another double ep. Mm. We've been we were trying to figure out what to do next, and there was a few things on Netflix that gave us an idea. We're thinking about doing Shaft, yeah. Because there's a new Netflix uh, on in Australia at least the new, the new Shaft uh, third in its rebooted franchise coming out, and that's interesting to me to do. Start with black exploitation, then you've got a John Singleton movie <laughs> like yeah. the year 2000 Samuel L. Jackson, and there's a new one now that has all three Shafts. But we. Decided not to go that route because there was another mm. thing that came out on Netflix mm. that I had been watching and loving. It is the Chef TV show. But we're not going to be really talking about that. There is a remake of Jean Favreau's Chef out there in the world. It is a Bollywood film adaptation of Chef. And we've wanted to kind of do one where it's uh, American translated to another culture through another cultural lens mm. there's so many Bollywood ones out there but I remember seeing the poster for do you remember it was <laughs> yeah we were going Sydney. to see uh, Blade Runner 2049 yeah and we saw the big poster for um, the chef the Bollywood chef and we are just like what the fuck uh, of all the movies yeah. to get translated to Bollywood but then I think we both got excited because like I want to see that movie well, I want to see that Indian food cuisine. that's yeah. all I could think about was I would I can't wait to watch that as a food movie and it just made me realize like this is a pretty universal film like Chef I love that movie I love the Jon Favreau film mm. and I think it's such a universal film it's just, it's just about like fatherhood is about cooking and a love for cooking mm. and so I can't wait to talk about it. that's next week we're going to be yep. talking about Chef with a chef We're getting a chef on We're going to get a chef on Yeah, we're going to get our chef on <laughs> We're going to get our chef on We've got Swedish chef coming in to discuss it with us And we've got uh, chef from South Park as well So it's, it's very exciting <laughs> We were going to get Isaac Hayes either way next week Whether we talk about Shaft or Chef <laughs> We were going to get Isaac Hayes on board But we went with Chef Really excited to talk about it And if you want to catch up with them Chef, the in Australia at least, the movie is on Netflix. I'm sure yeah. it's around the world because they've got the new John Favreau directed and starring Chef TV series, which was like a documentary cooking show with him and Roy Choi, who was the food technician consultant on the movie. Um, it's really good. 
The TV show is really good. But it looks so up my alley. You will love it. Everything Pam. about it has gotten me excited. You will absolutely love it. Yes. And the Bollywood remake is online in Australia as well, and maybe around the world. It's on Amazon Prime, hmm. so it's pretty accessible at the moment. You can get like a free Amazon Prime trial if you've never used it before. Hmm. Um, but I, I cannot, I actually cannot wait to watch that film. Yeah, I'm so curious about it. So those are the next two episodes, and then after that, I'm not sure we might end up having to do more John, John Favreau with Lion King eventually. Oh, so true. we should put another poll out coming up after next week yeah. to figure out what we should. Yeah, exactly. But we'll do a poll for uh, maybe stuff that's not coming to cinemas soon. Yeah, I'd love to do some more reaching back type stuff. Of course. Anything you need to plug? Uh, Yes. At the moment, I got a couple of things coming up. Last ever green lights very soon, June 28th. Uh, So many cool people are going to be on it. It's going to be wild at the Gaelic Club, 10 bucks. Also, on July 19th, I don't think I've announced this anywhere yet, uh, Aaron Chen and I have been working on a live table read show at the Giant Dwarf Theatre. We are going to be getting one of our favourite scripts ever uh, and a bunch of great actors and comedians to read it live on stage and kind of reinterpret it and show like how characterization works and how acting works and how scripts work to create something. The script that we're doing, I will actually say it on the podcast because I feel like I won't get too far out there in the world. Uh, we're doing Looking for Ala Brandi. Oh, uh, your favorite. My favorite movie ever. Uh, we've got a great cast building up for it, mm. but Melina Marchetta, the author of the book and the script will be there. No kidding. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Jeez, that's uh, incredible. When we get closer to it you'll start seeing like who's going to be in it but there's some really cool people that's so including cool. me and Aaron so, <laughs> <laughs> so it should be pretty good yeah that's awesome that's great I can't wait for that I've got my comedy store encore show of Strawberry Blonde on August 17 get tickets now it's a bigger room than I usually play so I'd love to have you there. Bring a mate. Bring an enemy. Bring bring aliens from anywhere in the universe. Yeah, it's an open border yeah, policy. Yeah, borders there. are open at my shows. You can come in even if you're fuck ugly. You're allowed to come. If you've got fatties, you're welcome. Also, um, for people who came to my show last year, I don't know if you guys remember, I did an encore show and I recorded the audio for like a comedy album. Mm. I haven't put it out yet because it has been picked up by someone so keep your ears peeled keep your eyes peeled to the internet it will be coming out very soon through a very cool source i'm very excited for you guys to hear it um i can't say anything more than that but just i just want to say exciting news coming really i haven't even heard about this yeah i know this is breaking news breaking bad news it's AMC's picking AMC it up for a full season. It up. Full series of wow. my comedy hour. Yeah, it's exciting. Oh, out. That's exciting. Yeah, we got Jesse Pinkerman back on board. <laughs> Pinkerman. <laughs> we got Better Call Saul. Oh, we got Better Call Saul. Oh, like got Walking Freaking Dead. Yeah. You know, dude, they're all awesome. <laughs> Uh, freaking um, Chris, uh, Christina Hendricks Yeah is, uh, dude, Jenny Jones All the mad men and women It's exciting times God mad women That'd be awesome Is mad. that what you're supposed to <laughs> <laughs> Mad women So yeah Come see my comedy store show uh, August 17 Come 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 <laughs> uh, And one final plug For cinema Oh my god Movies are a special art form. Yeah. It is one of the few art forms that blends all others. Yeah. 
it has elements of music, yes, which is an art form. It has elements of painting, which is visual design in yeah. films. Yeah. It has elements of acting, which is theatre. Oh, my God. And it has elements of podcasts uh, where it's you, people having people a chat. talking and stuff Having like a chat that. and stuff like that. And uh, Men in Black itself is an example of uh, the, an Elvis movie, Men in Black International. Because yeah. it's a little less conversation and a little more action. But there are a lot of movies that flip that on its head out there and they're a little more conversation. Can I say something about Elvis, by the way? Yeah. He's not dead. He just went home. Yeah. And I believe that's in my very bone. Yeah. My one bone. My body is one bone <laughs> covered by skin. <laughs> but I, that's where I'm getting to is my final plug is for Francis Ford Coppola's yeah. 1974 film, The Conversation. Yeah. It is the anti-Men in Black International. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mainly talking, no squawking, no aliens. I'd like to ab- absolutely plug the conversation and also check out its sequel, Enemy of the State, starring Gene Hackman as the same character. Yeah. And Will Smith as um, Agent J. <laughs> <laughs> it's really... That is that is really fascinating. Yeah. So, do that. So, check out cinema, guys. Yeah. It's awesome. It's actually... Movies are great. And films are awesome, too. <laughs>